All right, dope. So we'll just go three, two, one. We're live. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the podcast, episode number one. Um, yeah, you're my first guest, by the way. Oh, sweet. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm joined here uh, with my friend. You say so you you go by Mitch on uh, Twitter. Mitch, Mitchell, what's... I go by Mitch, yeah. The, the Mitch. birth certificate says Mitchell. I go by Mitch, though. Okay, okay. Yeah. Dope. I feel that. So, um, yeah, man. It's good to have you on here. Um, so we've been connected for a little while here on Twitter and just wanted to hop on here and try to talk to you a little bit. So you, uh, you're actually going through a diet right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm super interested in it. That's something I want to dive into first. So go ahead and uh, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about who you are and then we can talk about your diet. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, my name's Mitch. Uh, I've been training myself for about 20 years, which is super weird to think about. So it seems like a long time. I've been training people uh, in the gym and on the, on the internet for 15 years. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, as far as what's relevant to the, you know, the fitness world, that's it. I'm a, I'm a Canadian, Canadian born and bred living in Texas. I love both, okay. you know? Yeah. Damn, I didn't know that. Where'd you come yeah. from in Canada? Um, Ontario, Ottawa. Ontario. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. So how long have you been here in the States? Five years. Five years. Mm-hmm. Damn. Okay. So you're basically just getting started building like clientele here and all of that. Yeah. 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 You know, when I first moved here, like I started training people when I was um, 19 is when I started like okay. an internship. And, uh, you know, I did that for about five or six years. I was really young. I was, I was stupid when I was young too, you know, yeah. as I'm sure a lot of us are. And, and uh, I just wasn't making it work because I wasn't putting the work in. And then, you know, I got some family pressure that was like, hey, you should probably get a, a real job with a, a pension and, you know, a chance to actually make a life of it. So I decided to uh, go to firefighting school. Like, so okay. I came to Texas for Firefighting Academy, uh, which is my first time in Texas. It's where I met my now wife, who, you know, that was not in, as intended, but here, here I am. Um, and I was a firefighter in Canada for a couple of years. That's where I also started my online business because I just love fitness so much. I couldn't help. Yeah. I couldn't stay away. So I started a blog and an online coaching business while working as a firefighter in the oil field. Okay. So okay. from there. Damn, you're, in, you're in the mm-hmm. oil field? Yeah, so I moved out west over to Alberta, which would be a, like right above like the Dakotas, maybe Montana. Okay, okay. Way yeah. up in the way up, way like up there. close to like the 60th parallel, like way up in the cold. Damn. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So I start my fitness blog out there, and you know I kept thinking about. It. I was like, I wonder, you know, because at this point my wife and I are planning on, you know, we're 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 just in a relationship, but we're planning on me immigrating and moving to Texas. And I was going to become a firefighter and get my EMT and, you know, be a medic mm-hmm. and all that. And, uh, but I couldn't shake this. Like, I was like, man, I wonder if I could just like get back into fitness full time, just be a trainer. And I was like, oh, that's stupid. You know, you went through all yeah. this stuff to become a firefighter. Don't, that'd be silly. But, uh, yeah, anyways, I, end of the day, I do what I feel like and, and I'm, I'm back in fitness full time. So I never yeah, really left dope. fully, but I, I tried, you know, firefighting is cool. It's the only other thing I could picture. But yeah. yeah, I can't help it. It's just I'm supposed to be in fitness. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. So you, uh, so you said you went into you were firefighting and mm-hmm. you're doing online training. How was all that working out? Like, well, um, I didn't. It was it was interesting. It was like I was charging so little because I was like yeah, yeah. new to it, and I would I was putting so much time into it, and it was like as far as juice worth a squeeze financially, it was it was not worth it at all. But it was cool because you had to I had to start there, so. Uh, I sucked at writing. I sucked at, co- like, you know, I sucked at like the, the efficiency of the programming and all that stuff. 
I could always program. I was already, I was already like a decade into the, you know, training people. Yeah, so yeah. I could, I could write good plans, but I, as far as like transferring it from the real world to the internet, it was pretty shaky. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. shaky on my end. They got a lot out of it for the, for the dollar, but it was like, it wasn't something that you could uh, make a living at. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So then you, uh, so you, you, you then went and you stopped firefighting, you started training so are you still doing all the online stuff? Like, how's all that? Like, what do you got going on right now? All right, yeah. So, so I, I went all in on online at one point for about three years. All in. My Damn. goal was to, okay. yeah, my goal was to go all online, be a location, you know, the laptop dream, you know, that yeah, everyone has. Yeah, like, yeah, I can go wherever absolutely. I want. But, you know, like, that's, that's just like, I can go wherever in Fort Worth that I want because my wife likes having a house and a job and roots and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm cool absolutely. with that, too. So it's like I could be as location independent as I want, but what does that really mean? And what I kept finding was that, you know, we go on vacation, we go somewhere, she's off and I'm not because I'm taking my work with me. So like we're on vacation. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. We'll go to the beach, but let me like hammer out an hour of emails first. So I I found that it wasn't really, uh, you know, it wasn't really all it was cracked up to be just because of my current, my situation. So, um, I started scaling it back and going all in on in person, which I, I, to be honest with you, it's not scalable. I just like it so much. I can't pull myself yeah, yeah. out of the gym. I love training people. I love just being in the gym all day. I love seeing if people's shoulder blades are moving. I love seeing how the, you know, I, lo- I love seeing every nitty gritty detail of the lift and, and, and the tweaks and all that. And so uh, you miss that with online. Online has a lot of advantages, but that's not one of them. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've gone all in on in person and I've scaled my online coaching back to about five people at five people max. Okay. I'm not marketing it. Um, I have like five loyal clients and I'm like, Hey, if you guys are it, we'll stick with it. Um, and at this point now I'm getting the, the, the gym is pretty much pretty comfortable and I'm starting to think about how I'd like to proceed with online training as well. So I'd like to scale that up in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if it'll be just one-to-one coaching or if it might be some groups, uh, group-based type stuff or what, but yeah. yeah group-based, think stuff, about group-based stuff seems to be super popular right now. Mm-hmm. seems like everyone's kind of going in that direction, which to me, I think it kind of makes sense. Um, the one-on-one stuff's nice, but it's like you said, there's like, there's just this whole different um, like value you can get from getting one-on-one in person versus online. And when you do the group stuff, it's like you can you can drop the price a little bit, and you can still provide like tons of value. Yeah. Uh, but at that at that group level, I just think that's like it seems to be the biggest bang for the buck from from my perspective of being like a coach and like thinking about you know how can I provide value for people. I'm super attracted to the group coaching thing online. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. You know, I'm actually doing one. I, I signed up for Paul Carter's. That's where this diet comes from. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we got we got to talk about your diet. I'm super. Yeah, interested. so I wanted to preface that with like, first of all, like this is Paul Carter. You familiar with Paul Carter? So I know the name, but and I mm-hmm. know if I saw a picture, I would recognize. Um, I don't know if you can maybe yeah. fill me in a little bit. He looks kind of like the God of War. Um, he's a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's been somebody I've I've been reading his stuff for well over a decade. He's one of my favorite coaches, and and he was running a. You know, I, I started, so I was going on a vacation. I'll just take you back like a, a month before I started the program. I was going on vacation to Hawaii. Of course, I, you know, you want to tighten up a little bit. So I lost about 10 pounds easily before Hawaii. I get a little leaner um, just with a straight calorie deficit. Easy, easy, easily done. 
And then I got back and I was like, so what do I do here? Do I keep going or get shredded or do I like, you know, start trying to get bigger. And I was like, I should get shredded. Should get what shredded. I know, <laughs> I know myself, I, I'm, I'm cut from the skinny kid cloth. Like, yeah, I, yeah. you know, when an overweight person is like afraid of eating carbs because they're just like afraid it's going to, I kind of have the reversed situation, right? So it's like yeah, if, I, yeah. if my body weight gets to a certain point, I'm like, oh no, skinny, I'm getting skinny again. So yeah, I have yeah. this weird kind of mental mental block there. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna just like hire Paul and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it going. No matter what the scale says, let's keep it rolling. Is this that oh wait, let me find let me pull up like this guy's massive. Yeah, so that's well, that's old. That's like back in his he used to compete in powerlifting. Okay. And that's that looks like powerlifting days. Okay. And then he uh, competed in bodybuilding and he actually he coaches, uh, you know, Fred Biggie Smalls. He's a bodybuilder on the Olympia stage. I don't. I don't. Okay. Well, he coaches. He's I'm, not real. He's not, he's not a huge name. No, okay, it's fine. Okay. He's he's not a huge name, but it's uh, yeah. So he coaches people that compete and stuff like that. So damn. So this so guy's I, huge. Yeah. Yeah. He's Anyways, jacked. yeah. My bad. I've, so yeah, you, got, good, so you got on his programming. You got. He's on a great coaching. coach. Yeah. So yeah. He, he was running a body a recomp program. So I was like, yeah, let's let's roll. It's it's nine weeks. Um, I want someone who's going to make me do something that I would not do to myself. Cause once I hit a certain body weight, I'd be like, Hey, that's good enough. Let's, let's bail yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm about 10 pounds past that point now. So, oh, yeah. um, started the program. It's a, we can get into the training if you want, but as far as the diet goes, it's a pretty steep deficit overall calorie deficit. And we cycle, um, we cycle carbs throughout the week. So, okay. Monday to Wednesday are what he calls base days. Those are your, your, your lowest calorie days. So um, my protein and my fat are the same on all days. It's, okay. it's a pound of protein uh, or a gram of protein per pound of body weight. And I don't know what the ratio would be for fat, but I'm eating about 60 grams of fat a day. And that's okay. every day. Um, Monday to Wednesday, it's 100 grams of carbs. So it's on the low side, especially for some of my size. Uh, yeah. Thursday is the best day of the week. It's high carb day. I get, um, okay. the same protein, the same fat, but I get 350 grams of carbs. Not a lot, man. You know, I actually looking at it on paper. I was like, this is going to be sweet. It's just, it's more of a tease than anything, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, a, it's, it's a pretty good day. And then Friday is a medium day. So it's 250 grams of carbs. Saturday is like a low medium day. It's 200 grams of carbs Sunday, which is today. Um, I don't eat until nighttime. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So let me try to get this. Like, I'm just trying to picture a graph here. So you're like, you're like down at the bottom for the first three weeks with your lowest, your lowest, uh, caloric intake. Mm -hmm. And then you spike up and then you mm -hmm. spike back down. Yep. Exactly. Okay, interesting. So that like, it's, it's weird. Like, and I want to go into your training as well. That's something you mentioned. Um, but that like, it, it seems oddly like I kind of train in a very similar way with like my own training where I'm, I'm constantly spiking and dipping. And so when I heard you say, talk about this on Twitter, I was like, dude, this is really interesting because like, that's how I'm doing my own like progressive overload with my own training. And I was like, this just makes sense that the body, mm -hmm. like the body, cause it's like a lot of times when you get in this, you know, the steep caloric deficit, you can go for a while. Um, and then like the body kind of adjusts. And it starts to become like towards the end, it becomes this like it's really hard to, to keep on. Like you got to really go into a big deficit. Right. And then you start worrying about like, you know, losing muscle mass and a lot of the stuff. But I was like, man, like, you know, if we're constantly spiking our insulin levels, constantly, you know, 
refeeding and dropping and refeeding and dropping, like it seems like this would be a more sustainable and like honestly would lose more overall fat long term. Like right. I'm, I'm super interested in this. Like, and I haven't seen anybody really talking about this on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're nailing it right on the head with your intuition. Like your intuition's dead on. Uh, like, and so I wanted to preface to say this is Paul Carter's diet and I haven't asked okay. a lot of questions, um, on purpose because, you know, I, I'd like to keep my brain out of it. That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what, <laughs> yeah, what do I yeah. eat? Okay. Uh, so, but with that said, uh, not putting words or ideas in Paul Carter's mouth or head. So I just want to make yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, we're just talking shop. So I, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, want to make yeah. sure it's like, uh, any, any, any reasons I give are, are just suspected by me. So. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. you're right. So it's a pretty steep deficit. It's it's pretty aggressive fat loss approach. It's not a lifestyle. It's not like something that's like, hey, this is how I live now. It's like mm -hmm. gas pedal to the floor for nine weeks, and then treat yourself to like a you know, a a, a blizzard and a, a burger after, yeah, and then yeah. you know, and then hit maintenance or something along those lines. But um, it's a pretty heavy duty approach. It's a steep deficit. So the idea is there's a few benefits to this carb cycling approach. So one of them is the lower calorie days, uh, the lower carb days will increase your insulin sensitivity. And then whenever you introduce them, you're going to utilize them really effectively. So you eat a bunch of carbs yeah. on Thursday and Friday, and it's going to be like whoosh, shuttles to uh, muscle glycogen. Um, yeah. For the same reason, that's why he always keeps a little bit of a few carbs in. That's why I have 100 grams of carbs on those low days, so you stay efficient at using carbs. Okay. There are a few guys in our group who are carb phobic and they were like, Hey, can I just go no carb on these days? He's like, and so he responded with, no, we, we got to keep some in. You got to keep your metabolically efficient at uh, metabolizing carbohydrates. Yeah. So you keep them in, but then you're more uh, sensitive and you utilize those high carb days a lot more efficiently. Um, what I think is the biggest reason and advantage to it is exactly what you're saying. Whenever you were, you were mentioning how you can only go so long in a hard deficit before it's like your body rebels hard and hunger goes up and it, yeah. you know muscle loss becomes a bigger issue. So what the high, um, high carb days do is they help you regulate your leptin levels and which, which um, regulates your um, appetite and your metabolism. So if you can get your leptin up, up a little bit, your hunger levels will be managed. They'll come down a little bit. And your metabolism will stay up a little bit more than usual. I mean, I'm still hungry as shit most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, metabolism it, metabolism is definitely slowing down. Has to. It's just part of the process. But yeah. it's a way to maximize it. So uh, yeah, keeps metabolism going. Keeps hunger down as much as possible. Um, there's some really interesting research on diet breaks, where if you take like a weekend or a week every now and then um, as a break from a calorie deficit you will lose more fat in the long term because you reset those leptin levels. So uh, this is a much smaller, tighter scale because it's only a day or two. But uh, yeah. I think it's the same, the same idea, the same principle. Okay, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So um, for just like for overall picture, like what is what – is, um, did you say your like your calories? Like you said on Twitter like you're eating 1,800, is it right? For Yeah. My base days. So Monday to Wednesday, I'm eating 1,800 calories, okay. 220 protein. Go ahead. Wh what is your uh, what like? What's your maintenance? Are you around like 2,500 maintenance? My maintenance at this point, I, I couldn't say because I'm about okay. 20 pounds lighter. Um, but my maintenance usually my 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 usual body weight is about 225, 230, okay. and my maintenance when I'm at that weight is usually like 20 between 2,800 and 3,000.
Damn, I would suspect. Okay, so I would suspect it's probably like 25, 2600 right now. Okay, so that like so those for those three days like that's a that's a pretty fat caloric deficit. Yeah, overall <laughs> yeah. it's deep too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. how so how does uh you mentioned about like hunger levels and everything like how has that all been? Because I'm sure you've so you've been lifting for 20 years. I'm mm-hmm. sure you've done more than one cut before. Mm-hmm. How would you like kind of rate? You know, do you like this style? Like in the future, are you going to continue cutting like with this style, or are you going to go back to like what you've done in the past? Yeah. You know, this this style right here, you have to be in a certain mental frame, and I'm not often in it to be honest, like I'm not often like, let's, let's do it. I think part of it is because I have my 35th birthday coming up in, in July. So yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. you know what? Let's, let's like, I feel like I'm still peaking. I feel like I'm still going up. We've had this conversation on Twitter about age and peaking. Yeah. So, yeah. so we were having that conversation while that was in my mind. So I'm like, you know what? I, I really honestly feel like my best physique is ahead of me. Uh, I don't feel like it's a thing of the past. And I'm like, I think a big part of that though, I'm going to have to get sub 10% body fat and then get back to building muscle from there. I can't okay. just be hovering around 14% or, you know, semi, semi smooth and expect to like have a, this like phenomenal physique in my like late thirties. So part of it was like, let's reset, let's get going. So yeah, I would do this in the future, but it's going to be like a every so often, very sparingly kind yeah. of situation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's actually do just talk about the, the age thing. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm 24. So, um, you know, I'm still in the stage where, like, I can basically go in and just, like, murder my body. Mm-hmm. And I pretty well recover, you know. Yep. Uh, so, like, what are some things that you've noticed? Like, have you even noticed any changes, first of all? I haven't. I haven't. I, I've, I, the only thing I've noticed is mistakes that I've made catching up joint-wise. That makes sense. Uh, deadlift, mixed grip. Um, my hips eventually didn't like it. Um, little That's- things like that. That's that's huge. You don't hear a lot of guys talking about that, but if no. you notice, like, just for people listening, like a lot of times when you're doing the mixed grip, you'll notice there's kind of an uneven balance on the hips, and mm-hmm. you'll actually see, like, especially if you watch like a lot of power lifting competitions, people actually starting to like twist and turn as they're coming up. No doubt, you have to. Yeah, because you have of to. that. Yeah, a lot of bicep tears too. I never, ha- I've always yeah. been lucky with injuries. I've never really injured myself training, but yeah, just so just like little things. If I'm doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just enough years it's for something to happen. Yeah. yeah. And, and so just have my, my pelvis has turned a little bit. So um, just got to work on correcting it. But as far as like recovery, feeling different, like, no, you know, I'm actually, the older I get, the more I'm despising that whole idea. You know, I get told all the time by people who are older than me, wait till you're 45, like yeah. wait till oh, you're I 55. <laughs> and fair enough. Who am I to say? Like, I don't know. Cause I'm not there, yeah. but I can tell anyone who was 35 when I was 24, like you saying like, Oh yeah, just wait till you're my age. You won't be able to do it. Fucking wrong. Fucking yeah, wrong. Yeah. It feels the same. <laughs> I feel the exact yeah. same. Like, I feel, I wake up and I think I'm 24 all the time. It's yeah. when I, when I think 35, I'm like, that's my mom. My mom's 35. Oh no, my mom's 55. Like, you know, I, not to give away my mom's age. <laughs> Sorry, mom. But like, you know what I mean? It's I, I haven't noticed much as far as recovery or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So, um, yeah, like a little bit on that conversation. Um, my whole thing, I guess, with that, and I've always done kind of a poor job of communicating my position, which is pretty typical. Like, my writing needs to improve. That's something I realized. No, you know what, though? Maybe, maybe from your perspective, maybe you see some reading to improve, but I like the way you take hard stances. And I actually, I think it's uh, – <laughs> Even though we all know everything, the answer to everything is it depends, generalizations, 
yeah, you know, yeah. we those are the real answers to pretty much everything. So cats are freaking out. Um, I, I like the way you take stances, though, because you, you have to have a stance. At the end of the day, you got yeah. a client. What are you going to do with them? It has to be like a thing that you're going to do with them. It has to be like, a decision yeah. made. So I, yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. So for me, it's always kind of been um, just about like urgency and creating urgency and getting people to understand that it's like, dude, you know, you've got to start and you've got to get going. You've got to start lifting now. Like you can't continue putting it off. So for me, like I've only been strictly lifting and we talked about this a little bit earlier for about three years, three years of like really lifting, living lifestyle, like putting in the research, all that. Before then I was like, you know, high school sports, distance running, all of that. Um, so for me, it was just kind of this thing where it's like, dude, okay, like, you know, I'm 21. I've got to start now. Mm-hmm. not wait till I'm 24 and start, not wait till I'm 30 and start. Um, and I think that's one thing that's probably makes you a little bit unique and different is it's like you've lifted for so long. It's now you're in your 30s and you're in a like a whole different position than a lot of 30-year-olds. Like a lot of 30-year-olds I talk to have like never lifted. They're you know, skinny fat, all of that. Like, So for them lifting, I just think they're in a whole different position and, and it's more – yeah, you know, it's yeah. going to be a lot more taxing on them. There's um, a lot more time to reverse. So, like for me, it's like I, I've been progressing along, and I've, you know, to be honest, I've had all types of forward and backward movement. Like I've been way bigger. I've been super lean before. You know, there's always your ebbs and flows. That's, that's what like, you need to talk about. I'm super interested about your powerlifting days because you you put some pictures up, and I was like, God damn, dude, like you're <laughs> huge. <laughs> you are massive. Yeah, yeah. So, but if you, but if you spend the, you know, those first three decades of your life not taking care of yourself, that's, yeah. just, that's a lot of time to degrade. That's a lot of time to fall apart. So if you hit, if you hit 35 and you're, you've just been degrading that whole time, you got a hole to dig yourself out of. You got a, your starting point is, is back here. Yeah, that's yeah. not to be discouraging. It, you can, you make insane, pro, you, you pull yourself out of that hole. You definitely can. Absolutely. You can make insane progress if you start at 35, but um, yeah, it's just different than if you've been lifting for 20 years as it should be. Just like if I was like, you know, learning math for 20 years, I should be better than someone who's just learning it for the first time. It's normal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's my biggest thing too. Like, I don't want to be discouraging to anyone. Um, I think it's super easy to like miscommunicate, especially on Twitter where it's like, you've got 280 characters and you're, you're trying to like, you know, this is my life philosophy in one tweet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then there's always the person that comments and like, yeah, well, what about this? And you're like, yeah. Anyways, um, so let's talk about your powerlifting days. I'm super yeah, sure. interested in that. The days of being big and thick. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so that might be a different. Actually, that might be a difference in age. I don't know if I could eat the way I did without it be going more to body fat than it used to. You know, so so my my diet was insane. Uh, and my training was too. I, I was um, I was about your age whenever I was like at my peak, maybe 24, 25. And uh, num- these numbers aren't overly impressive, especially if you're talking about powerlifters. But I got up to a 635-pound deadlift of my all-time, one rep max, 505 squat, 395 bench. I never cracked the fours, which still haunts me because I know I never will at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was me overcoming the skinny the skinny kid. So I was, uh, I started out as like, at like 165 pounds at six, three and a bit, which is pretty skinny. How, how old were you at that time? Like a teenager. I was like 17, 18. Okay. That's when I like started, you know, was just getting going. Uh, yeah. maybe 175 by the time I was 18 or 19. 
And, uh, you know, I got myself up to about 200-ish when I was, by the time I was like 23. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then I was like, you know what, screw it, let's get it. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to get huge. So yeah. I, I just went all in. And the, and the powerlifting training, uh, I, I, that is something that I did because the people that kind of took me under their wing were powerlifters. Mm. Um, so when I got my first personal training job, there was a few people that had been training for about a decade. And they were powerlifters. And, and I was lucky because uh, strength-based training, I think, is, is the way to learn. So I thought that was a great start for me, and uh, it just made sense. And so um, I did a very uh, – I don't know if this will ring any bells for anyone listening, but you'll know what I'm saying. Like a very uh, – kind of like a west side meets bodybuilder type okay. of style, except I did a lot more main lifts than auxiliary. You know, that's, I'd actually, I'd actually squat. Yeah, I was gonna say, we, uh, we maybe train like very similarly because I do the same thing where it's like I actually squat – but then I do a little bit of like weakness development, which is like mm-hmm. basically the base of basically that's what Louis's whole philosophy is like finding your weaknesses. Let's train the weaknesses. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I would just you do, do the main lifts and I do a ton of back, a ton of hamstring, a ton of glute work, uh, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so that was the that was the training style and the food was insane. I, I wasn't you know, there was no trackers at the time either. You just. You, you just, just ate. I didn't even, you didn't even know. You just were like, more food equals bigger size. That's all we knew. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we didn't even know about calories. I didn't even think in calories. So, um, yeah, yeah I just, I just ate and it was dirty. It was pizzas. It was all kinds of stuff. But, uh, I got up to about 240, 245, still kind of lean. Mm-hmm. And then that picture that's pinned on my profile on Twitter, that's when I'm camping with like a little cup. Yeah. That, yep. That's, um, that's whenever I hit about 252. And that's when it started spilling over in the worst way. That's that was like beyond. I couldn't hold it together anymore. And that's when I. Uh, and it's funny because I remember the, I remember those days. I thought I was fucking jacked. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was huge. Like just looked awesome. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were big in that. I saw that. And I was like, holy shit, man! This guy is huge. That's crazy. So yeah. Um, what did you end up doing then? Like, so you you said you hit like two fifty two, and that was kind of it. What did you mm-hmm. transition into then? Dude, I went to firefighting school. That was right around the time. Okay, okay. So this was yeah. just like five, ten years ago. Yeah, this was uh, – so I'm like 25, 25, 26 now. And I'm like 240 to 250, kind of fat, strong as shit. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and, uh, yeah, I decided to go to firefighting school down in Texas. And uh, <laughs> ran it off real quick. That was a hard three yeah, months, yeah. man. That, that was a hard three months. It was like kind of a boot camp style three months and um i mean aside from pt just all day punishment uh and burn training i mean i did burn training in june in texas which is fighting yeah fighting fires in fire gear in june and it was like there was like a summer like seven or eight years ago there was like 120 degrees for like a month straight yeah so i I went down to like i dropped down to like 210 i wasn't lifting i was just doing pt like body weight stuff so um I burned up a lot of muscle too at the same time. So I went down to like 210 probably, okay. 250 to 210 in those three month, that three month period. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and came home and started again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't, but I knew I didn't have it in me to attack 240, 250 pounds. It's just, it's a lot for my frame. I'm not built for that. And I just didn't have it in me to, to try and get there again. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what happened so, there. So what's your style of training look like now? Right now, well, right now I'm doing Paul, Paul Carter's training. Yeah. So I've, over the past five years, I've been, you know, they weren't, there wasn't a lot of research on the whole volume versus intensity thing. I've been talking a lot about this on Twitter lately. 
Uh, and if, for whatever reason, we, we came to the conclusion that volume drives muscle growth. It's volume, a submaximal high volume work. I'm not sure why. I think there might have been one study that did show this. And I uh, hope everyone's cool with me talking about studies that I'll never cite. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I'm not going to have references here off the top of my head. But I think there was one study that did show that volume was the main driver. Uh, yeah. it, it's probably a shit study. But um, I can't remember. But yeah, so but, but I started like, go, you know, reflecting on my experiences and thinking, you know, the, the better my program was at making me stronger, the more muscle I built. Not yeah. necessarily like which one gave me the best pumps. And so I was like, there might be something to that. And then I was, I was looking into a lot of Martin Birkin's work. He, do, he does yeah. lean gains uh, and he's all in on intensity, very minimalist training. And I was like, this is insanely low volume. And then, of course, it's Grego Gallagher who kind of like chopped that up in same philosophy exactly to the letter. And it, it really reflected my experience with training. It's like if it makes you stronger, like if, if you can recover from workout to workout, you're more likely to be able to set strength PRs from workout to workout. And if that means you're getting stronger, then in my experience, that means you're, you're building muscle, provided you're in, a, you're, you're in a rep range that at least fatigues the muscle fibers, not failing at rep two. You know, say you're failing at rep eight to 15, for example. And so... That's that's where my that's where I've been the last five years, kind of this developing this this system around. Let's instead of doing like five to six sets, why don't I try two to you know uh, you ramp up with some warm up yeah. sets. Why not try two to three work sets that are balls out, but the volume is low enough that I can go balls out and then recover, and then see how that works. And that works incredibly well. Anyways, Paul Carter is leaning into that even more than I have been. So right now yeah. I'm 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 doing warm up sets and working up to one work set, mm-hmm. and uh, one work set, so, and then as the phases go on, we're adding in some intensifiers like rest pause sets or you know okay. things that will extend the length of the so, set. So, so um, when you're saying like you work up to one working set, is this basically like okay, we're gonna do um, let's just throw out conventional like okay, let's say we're gonna do a five by five. Do you work up? like your your first set of five by five and you just keep adding weight until you reach like a, a at the top set being like a super heavy five by five and then yeah. that's your that's your that's basically your your bench for the day or whatever yeah it would be it'd be kind of more like check the logbook what did i get on my one set last week let's say i let's say i benched x amount of weight for seven reps yeah then it's i'm going to warm up to that whatever how many you know it might be three to five sets to warm up to that and yeah. then I'm get I'm going after that one set and I'm trying to beat seven reps and if yeah. I get to say I that get to like ten, yeah that's it so it's like one balls out set I leave the gym feeling very fresh yeah uh, the first week I was like I don't know Paul this is, doesn't feel yeah. like I'm doing anything the workouts are like 35 minutes 40 minutes and uh yeah you you don't feel like you did much you 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 have to be able to turn the intensity up very high for those sets like you you, you are yeah. taking them to, to all the way to failure. To be clear, we're not taking uh, barbell squats and deadlifts and things like that to failure. We're doing more like hack squats and you know things okay, of that nature, okay. dumbbell pressing and stuff like that. I do some barbell pressing too, and I don't actually hit failure, but uh, you get as close as you can. So, you're, but you're taking those sets as far as you can, and you're setting rep PRs, and and I can't say for sure that I'm building muscle because it's really hard to tell with the body weight coming down so quickly. But I yeah. have not. I've gained strength. 
I've gained, okay, I've gained, I've been saying rep PRs every single week for the whole time, which at least tells me I'm not losing any muscle. I might even be building some. Yeah, and, and so you think that's probably because you are able to recover for your next session. And you think that's, right. that's probably, I yeah, think so. That makes some, if I was eating so more calories, sense. I'd say I could probably get away with a, a couple to three of these like high intensity sets. I think yeah, in this so deep just, of a deficit, it makes sense to just hit the one hard one. But um, yeah, I think it's because I'm recovered. I come in, my joints feel phenomenal. Like my joints feel perfect. Yeah. I feel perfect. I feel good. Strength's going up. It's really weird. I mean, sometimes I'm grabbing like three extra reps from one week to the next. I'm like, this is odd. Damn. This That's is really crazy. odd. Yeah. Paul Carter's a genius, though, to be clear. The guy's an yeah, absolute yeah. genius. <laughs> so, I mean, That's crazy. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's cool. interesting. So, I, I do like, I have kind of a very similar where it's like, um, I do also the ramping sets, work my way up to where my last set, typically what I tell people, because all the time, so I've got friends that train like percentage base, you know, there's RP, there's like all these different, I pretty much always just tell my clients, I'm like, dude, I'm leaving one in the tank. You mm -hmm. know, like I, if I've got, if I've got four, you know, a set of four for today, I work up to a weight that I can hit for five and then call it quits. Um, so it seems like it's very similar there. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm super interested in that because it seems like I do. I do agree with you where it's like the strength-based stuff. It seems like the more there's always been kind of this conventional knowledge, like not since so much since I've got into it and started researching. But it seemed like like you go on bodybuilding.com and you go on you know simplyshredded.com or whatever, and mm -hmm. there's like this belief where it's like, oh, dude, are you a bodybuilder or are you a powerlifter? And it seems like there's kind of this belief where you got to pick one or the other. But it's right. like the the people that have been training for you know 20 years or whatever like yourself it seems like the more of you guys i talk to everybody says the same thing where they're like dude just get stronger get stronger and you're gonna get bigger and it's like that kind of intuitively makes sense especially if you keep volume at a, a decent you know a moderate level to stimulate muscle growth but it's like how are you gonna lift heavier weight and your body not build muscle like you're you're stimulating mm -hmm. your body and you're putting a pressure on it and your body's gonna respond it's gonna say fuck you know like I've got to get stronger. I've got to build more muscle mass or I'm just going to get fucking crushed. Like, mm -hmm. Exactly. It seems like, but I, I don't know. Like, it seems like there's a lot of people that are still kind of on this bro science where they're like, no, dude, you got to be a bodybuilder. You got to be super high volume. Like, and I think a lot of that also that kind of comes from a lot of like the steroid culture of like yeah. for those guys, they kind of do have to train that way. Like, or they can train right. that they way. They can. Yeah. yeah. So, so whenever you're a natural trainer, trainee, you have to stimulate muscle protein th synthesis with your training. So you need to train in with intensity. And yeah. if you're on, on steroids, then you don't. Your, your muscle protein synthesis is elevated 24-7. All you've got to do is shuttle nutrients to, to the muscles. That's all you got to do is pump away. Pump away, you got yourself covered. I think, yeah. I think it is a trickle-down effect where bodybuilders train. You know, Arnold's encyclopedia of training. There's so many poor yeah. souls who have tried to run that workout. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fucking disaster. And, and then you got like the, the Rich Piana eight-hour arm workouts and shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I've never it's ran just, that, but I, I want to try it someday just to try it. Like <laughs> eight hours of arms, man. Like that's going to be crazy. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's actually utility to these. Like, you know, I always say like if you're looking for maximum progress, there's, there's a way to train. But sometimes it's, you just need that therapy. 
You know, like I've had those workouts where I needed a therapy. I just went in and it's like just deadlifted for 45 straight minutes with heavy weight. It's like, that's yeah. probably not really that great conducive, but it was like, Hey, sometimes you want the therapeutic effect is a little bit more important. So there's a, but you just have to know that you have to know yeah. that like, Oh, I, you know, I did like 75 sets of heavy deadlifts. That means I should progress really nicely. It's like, no, you're probably not going to recover for four weeks. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, that's, that's, yeah, dude, that's something actually like I've kind of recently started, um, kind of become more conscious of where I was like dude there's a lot of times where I just come into the gym and it's just like I'm like because I talked about like the soreness thing I talked about soreness on Twitter with that one tweet and it just went like everybody was just yeah. like all over with it and I was like well dude like I started to really think about that the last couple of weeks and it's like well it's it's because of that it's like I go in and I probably train too hard some days but it's like it's a little bit more for the therapeutic of like I'm just going in there and like getting after it because that's what I enjoy doing. Yeah. I, I've kind of become a little bit more cautious over. I was like, wow, you know what? Like maybe I actually would progress a little bit quicker if I would actually back off a little bit. I don't know. What's some of your thoughts on that? I wouldn't. So my, my stance on it, like I, I was in that thread and uh, I, I was, my, you know, my stance is like soreness is not an indicator of progress. But with that said, I'm sore all the time. It's just that I'm not like, oh, that means I'm progressing. Or yeah. on the flip side, I'm not like, oh, that means I did too much. It's, it's neither. It's, me, it, it's nothing, basically. You know, it, it might become something if you're like, I need to install handles in my bathroom because I can't <laughs> yeah, sit down. Yeah. Then you're like, hey, yeah. that's probably a bit too much. But, um, yeah. And I think that's how it was misinterpreted a little bit, which was like my fault for maybe not wording it correctly. Everybody was like, oh, dude, like you shouldn't be injured. I'm like, well, I'm not injured. It's just, you <laughs> no. know, you wake up and you kind of ache and you're like, you feel like this old man. You got to get up and move around a little bit. Like, um, yeah, because that's interesting to get your perspective on that. So as far as. Let me see here. Yeah, so what's some of your, like, long-term goals right now? I'm super interested to figure out, like, so after 20 years of lifting, like, what's mm-hmm. next? Where are you going with all this? With my personal kind of lifting and all that? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, right now, it's, it's really, I'm, I'm honestly really micro down to this, this um, diet and training I'm doing right now. Uh, I, I got, like, four weeks left. It's getting hard. I'm, like, hungry yeah. all the time. Yeah, it's getting, it's getting tough. So I'm just trying to get as lean as I can. From there, I'm going to reverse my way out of it and slowly build muscle so nothing too exciting you know just get lean and then get jacked yeah so one last thing i also wanted to ask you about that for uh you i saw you were talking with um rob on twitter about this and you were talking about the you know you with cycling like this and then he was saying you know usually for clients i just put them at like just a strict caloric deficit what's some of your thoughts on like do you think in the future you'll maybe try to train people with this or yeah, well, cycling, um, you know, I, I usually put people on a straight deficit. And yeah. what I usually do is just give people a calorie and a protein goal, and I let their fat and carbs land where they want to land. If, they're, if either one of them is totally tanked, I, I might intervene. But for the most part, it just allows them to uh, check the boxes that really matter, which is calories and protein. And then uh, this cat's getting, this cat's trying to like take down my whole setup here. <laughs> it allows them to check the boxes that really matter but also okay. eat in a way that they prefer. So if some people prefer fattier uh, diets, they can have it. If some people prefer more like bread or you know, things like that, they can have that instead. So, um, but with that said, um, cycling can be helpful if you give people like higher carb days and mm-hmm. then if you adjust fats along with it. Like I'm not adjusting my fat, but if you, if you were to 
go like high carb, low fat on some days. And then other, they say training days, for example, and then, uh, or leg days or something. And then other days, off days, you went um, high fat, low carb. Okay. And then you could have like porterhouse steaks and maybe throw some bacon in with your breakfast. So that would give you some variety that you wouldn't normally be able to fit in. Whereas on high carb day, you might be able to pull off some spaghetti, maybe. I don't know. But you know, you, yeah. could, you could get some variety. Yeah, yeah. So, so that would depend on the person. And it would depend if they, if they, uh, they don't mind tracking different things on different days. For most of the time, I like a straight deficit because people end up in a groove. They start eating the same breakfast and the same lunch. And then, you know, dinner varies a bit, but they get into a routine. And that's such a habit of people that are successful with the diet is they just start eating the same stuff. So that's why I like that approach most often. Um, but there might be a time and place to be like, all right, well, here's your spaghetti day and here's your steak day. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So, cause I like um, on me uh, and I talk about this a lot. It's like, you know, I'm more strength and coordination. My nutrition game is not quite up there as high as it could be. Um, so I've like kind of just been curious about like what people like yourself are doing for your clients. And so for like anybody listening myself, just to repeat this again. So you're saying like you would basically like schedule out for them. Okay. We're going to eat this much protein every day. You know, so let's say we're going to eat 180 grams of protein. We're going to eat 2,200 calories total. And then that's it. That's and basically, it. Like they just fill in. And if they eat, you know, 300 grams of carbs and 70 fats or whatever the number works out to, that's good. Or if they do reverse, yeah. you just let them go with whatever they want on carbs and fats. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah, most exactly. Part. As long as they stay within the caloric restriction. Yeah. As long as they don't have like, or, or I don't want to see them eating like nine grams of fat or something like that. You know, I don't yeah. want to see a situation that's going to tank your hormones one way or the other, but, um, that's not usually a problem. We have no okay. problem getting enough fat in or enough carbs in. So yeah, for the most part, they, they tend to land in a, a decent range for either. It's just the person will depend on what they prefer to eat and, uh, it's less to manage. So as long as they hit those yeah. two things or ballpark, those two things, because the whole tracking game is really a ballpark game anyways. Nothing's oh, too... Yeah perfect about it it's super hard to follow Um, yeah so would you have them like actually tracking on my fitness pal or like what's a little bit of strategy i just use my fitness pal because i can friend them and i can look at it and if they have questions i can just take a look real quick and give some feedback i need to write that down is that something that you're like actually paying for like a a membership or how no that's free that's part of the free app is it really Mm -hmm. i'm gonna write that down they just add you as a friend and then they make they set their profile to public or to friends can see their profile and uh then yeah they can track it and you can see it so if they're like hey i'm having trouble hitting protein because that's 99 percent of the time what they will tell you yeah. and you can say okay let's take a look okay waffles for breakfast well, let's switch that out mm. it's always breakfast too it's always because they bre- it was a muffin okay a muffin for breakfast and a coffee well, that's, <laughs> that's why yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that makes sense yeah Yo. yeah i'll have to i'll definitely try that out because that's one thing um with nutrition, just trying to dial in for my clients and, and trying to figure all that out. That seems like some good strategies. Yeah, I find like a, a nice blend of some guideline, some structure, but you need some freedom too. So that's, that's why like meal yeah. plans don't meal plans have like a zero percent adherence base. Like they just don't they just don't nope. work. Everyone wants it because it takes all the thinking out of it. Everyone thinks they want a meal plan because it's like, oh, just tell me what to eat. You yeah. don't actually want a meal plan, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> once, you, once you get, like, two weeks in, that was, like, one thing I did when I first started. For, like, the first six months, I was eating literally, like, it's so cringy. I was eating chicken. I was eating, like, eight ounces of chicken, a cup of rice, and broccoli. 
every single day. And I did that for like the first six months of lifting. Damn. It was, it was crazy. Like I actually like, dude, I was like taking the shit to work, like in a little uh-huh. container. I'd be, I'd be eating it cold, dude. Like <laughs> no microwave Man. or anything. And like, that's, you know what though, that shows so much discipline. Like that it, as a reference point, oh, everything's I, easy after that. I can't even like, I don't even like chicken anymore. Like if I eat chicken, it's gotta be like maybe chicken thighs. Cause they're a little bit not as dry, mm-hmm. but I got so burnt out on it. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's a good, that's good strategy. I definitely need to implement some of that. Um, all right, man. So looks like we've been going for 35 minutes or so. Um, you have anything else you want to talk about or any you know, tips or tricks you want to give anybody? Oh man, nothing's jumping off the top of my head. One, no, of, my, just... one of my, one of my questions I asked one of my, uh, last podcast guys i'd be interested to find out i asked him you know what is um one thing i guess to end all this one thing if you know you went back to when you first started lifting something you didn't know that you figured out along the way what's the one thing you wish you knew when i first started lifting i so i wasted a good like six years of lifting that's why i'm impressed like the way you're starting if you're three years in and you're already lifting barbells and progressively overloading your lifts like that's just such a massive start so that's what i would have that's what I would change. I my first workout program was like pec deck for like sets of fifteen, <laughs> yeah. and then like the cable row, and then shrugs for sets of fifty, all kinds of junk. Uh, so yeah, it would be like learn get, learn the basic movements, and then get stronger at them, and do that for at least ten years, and that would have changed everything. Okay. Yeah. I I, def- I definitely agree with that. That was kind of like one thing I I had mentioned was like. If I'd understood good programming and what that looked like when I first started, um, I think I literally think like, so when you're a beginner, you can kind of just do whatever you want, but you reach a point really quick where it's like, you're either, you know, running good programming, you're progressing, or you're really just wasting your time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, dope. yeah. And eat. I wasn't eating either <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> that's eating's hardest part, man. Uh-huh. Yep. All right, Mitch. Well, I appreciate having you on the podcast. Uh, we're definitely going to have to come on and do this again, man. Yeah, let me you know. Have, it's fine. Uh, you have, you want to shout out some of your social media handles? Where can people find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going all in on Twitter these days. It's, it's Mitch Heaslip. Mitch, and the last name's H-E-A-S-L-I-P. I'm sure it'll be on this title or something, somewhere in the yeah. title. But yeah, Twitter Twitter's where I'm most active. I like to interact. So, I mean, don't be shy. Um, I'm on Instagram, too. Mitch Heaslip Fitness. A little less active there, but we're still, we're still there. All right, That's it. Go. Yeah. and I will. I will. Uh, if I can figure out when I post this, I'll post in the link description down in the show notes. I'll post all the links to your social media, so cool. people can go down there and find that. Uh, with that being said, guys, appreciate you guys for tuning in to episode one. I appreciate you coming on the show, and I hope you guys all have a good day.